Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Kroll, and this is episode number 21 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about Disney's extinct attractions, because we know that over the years, both Walt Disney World and Disneyland have changed quite a bit since their opening days in 1955 and 1971, respectively. And that was, of course, per Walt's original vision that the parks would constantly be updated and changed with the times, with new technology. We know that even he had said that uh, Disneyland would constantly be changing, that not only would they replace and add things, but that the trees would keep on growing, the place would get to be more beautiful every year, and of course the Imagineers have stayed true to Walt's original vision and have adapted and changed the parks with new technology, new movies, new shows that have come out. So we, of course, now have the opportunity to look back at some of Disney's extinct attractions. And I have brought onto the show two guests who have been on the show before, but not since episode two, Disneyland versus the Magic Kingdom. But they were the perfect guests to bring onto the show. Uh, do love all things Disney and those Folks are, of course, John and Anne-Marie Carigliano over at the Central Florida Sights and Sounds podcast, which I'll be sure to include the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and check their podcast out. It is amazing, and I would encourage you to uh, head on over there and take a listen to some of the episodes that they have. But on today's episode, they're going to be sitting down with me and chatting about some of our favorite Disney extinct attractions, the attractions that either we miss that we did get the chance to ride when we were growing up, or perhaps the attractions that we missed, the ones that we never had the opportunity to try out when we were visiting the Disney parks, either because they weren't there anymore when we went, or because we were, as you'll see uh, and hear in this episode, uh, just didn't have the chance to ride it for one reason or another, even though it did exist. I'll then come back at the end of the show, tell you a little bit more, of course, about how you can help to contribute to the Imagineer podcast and connect with us on all of our social media channels and help to inspire the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair and enjoy this week's episode of the Imagineer podcast. So we're here to talk about extinct attractions, and I had to invite back two people who were the, at the top of my list for this discussion when I came up with this idea months and months and months ago, and it took us forever to get this scheduled, but that's mostly my fault. Um, and that, of course, is John and Amory Carigliano from the Central Florida Sights and Sounds podcast. Hey, guys. Hello, Matt. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have been doing, honestly, some catching up on your podcast because I fell behind. And I just recently listened to, speaking of extinct attractions, the Great Movie Ride and Universe of Energy episode. And I loved that episode. That was fantastic. Um, I love the audience interaction with Ellen's Energy Adventure. Everybody oh, was. Oh, God, yeah. And it, it's usually funny, like, usually the last shows of any type of attraction there's a lot more uh guest participation and it's always kind of fun but it you always kind of wish it was always like that but it's always nice to see people that are fans of some of these attractions really kind of come together and makes that last experience really memorable yeah because well, the last time something it's always going to be like the super fans that are there 
You know, it's not just your normal day guests. <laughs> like, it's the super fans. <laughs> I think what made more the Universe of Energy one was the fact that the ride broke down. Yes. <laughs> that I, That's a cool story. I wish I were there. I saw the pictures from everybody. Like, just having the chance to get out of the car and, right? Because literally they evac. So you got to walk yep. around, take pictures with the dinosaurs. Yeah, they really didn't, like, shoo us out or anything like that. We got to spend at least, like, 20 minutes just going around taking video and pictures and stuff like that because, again, it was the last day. They were, they were in literally no rush to, to get rid of us. And, um, yeah, it was just a heck of a lot of fun. Like, I think the only other time I have ever evac off of that ride was back in 86. So, mind you, it had been at least 31 years. <laughs> That, um, the last time I was evac'd off of that ride was never, and I will never have the chance to do it. So I got evac'd right before the final scene. So like they basically took us off the car and out the door. Oh no. <laughs> I think I always get the lamest evacs. I was, I, I talked about this on another episode. I think, uh, it was backstage Disney parks. I think it was episode six. I'm losing track of the numbers, but, um, I had said how, I have the lamest evac stories because, and, and you guys know, you go, you, you live there, you go on all the attractions, it's bound to happen at some point, you're going to get this incredible evac story and you're going to get to walk around Expedition Everest or Splash Mountain or Space Mountain with the lights on, things we see on YouTube. That has never happened to me. The only ride I've ever been evac'd off of, I don't think I've ever been evac'd off of any, to be honest. I think um, any other rides I've been stuck on are... Uh, that are beyond, like, you know, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority and all the Omnimovers is um, Living with the Land. Almost got oh. evac'd off of Living with the Land. I see John's face. Living with the Land. Interesting. <laughs> so what, did they just stop the, the water? Like, did it just the pump stop moving and so yeah. your boat was just kind of stopped? The motors on the boats all stopped. I don't know why. And then we all were just like stuck and it was in the greenhouses too. So it's got sunlight on us and it, it was just, it was warm in there. And oh, it, interesting. And basically getting evac of, off of that is a, as a watered down version, a lame version of the uh, behind the seeds tour. Is <laughs> really what that is. <laughs> Here's some really quick plants. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's that it. happened to us on the on the Grand Fiesta tour. The the boats just stopped moving, the, like the water stopped moving. Yeah. And they just let us float the entire way oh, no. to the end. <laughs> and there was no audio, but the video was all still working, so it was really creepy. Yeah. And then the audio finally came. Oh, John had the audio on his phone, so he started playing the audio on his phone. And then, That's right. <laughs> and then we get that. to the end and we and then the audio finally starts kicking back on and we hear the last song about forty-five times. I can picture that. Although, speaking of we're, we're gonna I'm gonna get ahead of myself, but El Rio del Tiempo, that would be a uh, another one to get stuck in your head. Do you remember that song? Oh, how can I forget? <laughs> how can I forget? So, no, go ahead. I was going to say, um, so let's definitely talk about uh, extinct attractions. And I want to start by talking about our first experiences at the Disney parks, at least that we remember, because I don't remember technically my first time going to Disney. But some of your earliest memories and especially any extinct attractions that stand out in your mind that may or may not be on your list uh, that probably will be if you're going to talk about them. But um, I guess for you guys, like, what are your first park experiences? 
Well, my first time was in 1988. So I do actually remember my first time because I was seven years old. Um, we It was only Magic Kingdom and Epcot at that point. Yeah. Um, so the things that really the things that really stick out from that trip are actually pretty much still around. Um, Haunted Mansion. Mm. I remember the Haunted Mansion because it scared me. Because it was actually, it was before they had the silly ghosts at the end. Like, they were kind of scary ghosts at the end still. So, it was, that actually kind of did frighten me. Because I was sitting in the middle and the ghost was on top of me. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. As and a I kid. was like, yeah. <laughs> and I get, well, I guess it's sort of extinct now. Um, Main Street Electrical Parade. Yeah. That, that kind of stuck out. John, how about you? Oh, let's say Maria, if you had more. Yeah, I mean, like, I, a, lot of the, a lot of that first trip, I don't really remember. I remember getting my chalk thing done, like a, the little thing on Main Street. Yeah, oh. The, yeah, the, like the one of chalk, the one yeah, done yeah. with the chalk. Chalk. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about silhouettes where they cut out your silhouette? They don't, like no, no, no. Profile? No, they, they, like, draw it. Like, they draw it in chalk. They still do it. In, in France. You mean like a caricature? Yeah, but it's not a caricature. It's it's done with chalk. My parents had it done in 71. I had it done in 88. This is new to me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I was able to, you know, take give you guys a new experience in your marriage. <laughs> John didn't know this. I might have to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about early memories. That's cool, though. I actually, Emery, to be honest, I don't even know what you're talking about either, but... <laughs> I'll have to I'll I believe a picture you. of it, and I'll yeah. send it to you guys. Okay. Cool. Next time I go to Magic Kingdom, which was never... <laughs> <laughs> John? Um, so, obviously, my very first time uh, to the Walt Disney World Resort was back in October of 86, but I was two. I don't really remember much of it. A lot of what I remember, thank God my dad was really big into videotaping, but um, I was there during the 15th birthday celebration. But my first actual memories would have to be in July of 1991 at the, um, I guess, couple of years opened Disney MGM Studios. And uh, I remember attractions like superstar television they i was almost selected for superstars superstar television and if you can believe it at one point in my life i was a shy shy seven-year-old and did not want to be performing in front of a big group big groups of people um and i really kicked myself for that and that's kind of what kicked off you know being being a volunteer at the Backlot Tour, mm-hmm. doing the Indiana Jones Epic Science Spectacular, anything that had like audience participation, I wanted to do because I didn't want to miss out on something like that again. But um, I remember the Great Movie Ride, particularly the alien scene because the aliens scared the living daylights out of me. Me too. Um, I remember parts of the Backlot Tour especially the residential street, like where the, the houses were. Um, I remember seeing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there. I'm trying to see what else. And I remember parts of Star Tours. Sunset wasn't there. It wasn't. No, Sunset didn't open up until 94. Um, but, and I remember still one of my favorite fireworks 
sorcery in the sky with the big inflatable Mickey coming out from the Chinese behind the Chinese theater. That was that was really spectacular. That's awesome. Um, I'm similar to you, John. I do not remember the first time I was at Walt Disney World because I was four months old. My parents (laughs) took me to visit my grandmother who lived in Florida. And while we were there, we went to Epcot. And so that was my first experience in a Disney park. And I think we did go to Magic Kingdom, too. And I think my first memories, like you, are when Disney's Hollywood Studios, sorry, Disney's MGM Studios was open. I need to use the proper nomenclature for back in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so was it like your your how many trips did you go before you actually kind of like remembered? It has to be four ish somewhere in that four-ish? range. Like your I, fourth trip you probably remember. Yeah. And the earliest memories I have. Speaking of extinct attractions, this is most when most Disney fans talk about extinct attractions, they talk about the good things that they miss. This is an extinct attraction that I know a lot of Disney fans are happy went extinct. It was the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World when Cinderella the Pink Castle. Ca- Pink Castle? Yeah, Pink Castle. I, that was I must my be the only memories. person that actually liked it because it actually lasted as long as the celebration. It wasn't like the Millennium Celebration wand over Spaceship Earth that lasted past, past that. When I was 12 years old, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And uh, because I remember eating in the. Imagine it being your wedding and that being your backdrop. Imagine it being like your first time to Walt Disney World and you're an adult. (laughs) World's largest wedding cake. People hated Uh, that thing. (laughs) uh, I I could understand that. But I, I like the one memory I have of that castle was. My father and I and my little brother were eating in Crystal Palace, and it was like literally like a really heavy, heavy um, thunderstorm, or as us Floridians call it, a regular thunderstorm. Yeah. But I remember seeing the winds just or <laughs> um, the winds really whipping at the the candles, like they were really blowing in the wind, and that that was just a particular memory that really kind of stuck out to me. A heavy thunderstorm is what you Floridians call four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Summer's at four o'clock. Um, <laughs> I, re- I remember that. I do have early memories, which I'll save until I, I talk, we talk about some of the extinct attractions. But uh, I do, yeah, the, the castle, which is not on my extinct attraction list, is one that I remember um, the, the pink castle. And, uh, you know, there's just like bits and pieces. I remember. Uh, we used to go to, we always stayed off property when I was growing up. And I remember going on to property the days before CDs, when there were still cassette tapes and all that in the cars. And we would turn on, as soon as we got onto property, the radio. And that, that I loved. That was just like, I knew I was home. That was amazing. I remember that. Like, my dad used to turn on the AM station and you tuned in and it would give you, like, the information about, like, park hours or ticket information everything like that and that was like the coolest thing ever i was as soon as he did that i was like yeah now we can get started and we used to drive down too so that was a nice end of like we made it feeling um and then i have a lot of fond memories of i I will call it the right name dixie landings because it was dixie landings at the time um some of my favorite disney memories growing up were when my family did start staying on property and we would stay at Dixie Landings and they go to the parks and it was great before even Animal Kingdom was open and oh wow it was wonderful. 
Uh, and we did go, we, because of that, we actually went to a soft opening at Animal Kingdom because we were there uh, spring break before Earth Day and we were staying on property and they had this thing where I guess it just happened to be that we were there. They were doing soft openings for resort guests. And so we went to Animal Kingdom and that I remember because my parents did not like Animal Kingdom after that first trip because, you know, it was, there were not a lot of attractions. It was incredible. Like, you think it's hot now. It was incredibly hot back then. And there were bugs everywhere because there was so much vegetation. They didn't know how to control it. So do you remember anything about with Kilimanjaro Safari with the ending with big red kind of lying on the ground? Was that, was that I don't think guests ever saw that. I never, I don't remember that. The only thing I remember that was different is that there were two cast members on every vehicle, uh, someone driving and someone uh, doing the spiel, yeah. No, I think, I think that part of the story got cut when one of the, I I guess it was Eisner. Well, he was Eisner. What? At the time. The CEO. Yeah. Yeah. CEO. I think it got, when he saw it, I don't think guests ever saw that. No, some guests did see it because I, I I have talked to guests that have seen it. No, like I, I remember, like a knowing. school came off of it and they were like absolutely crying. So there you go. Disney magic. Disney magic, right? I don't know how they thought that was a good, bad Joe Rody. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they it's won, conservation. Uh, you know, realistic of what happens well, when conservation. Yeah. You know, when you don't I, conserve. I get that. However. It is a family theme park. <laughs> can't you can't completely like, you know, look through rose colored glasses all the time. Well, I, I understand that, but when you have a three year old, you kind of have to. <laughs> like, yeah, but then when they were that age, they don't know what's going on. They just see this dead elephant on the, elephant on the, on the, on the side of the road. That's cool. <laughs> Mommy, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, let's get to the warm, fuzzy Disney extinct attraction memories. <laughs> this got out of hand way quicker than I thought it would. <laughs> and I expect, I, expe- I, I love when they get out of hand, but I, I, I expected it to, but that got out of hand a lot quicker. Uh, so we don't have to go in any particular order. You guys can take this however you want, but I have a list of attractions that are near and dear to me. And I also considered, you know, attractions that we miss. And oh, Anne-Marie, you, ta- you asked me this question earlier. Um, Attractions that we missed can literally mean attractions that we missed. We didn't get the chance to experience that we wish we would have experienced because I have uh, at least one on my list. But I always let my guests go first, so I'll turn it over to either one of you for your first extinct attraction. Ladies first. So I think the one that I missed the most because it was the first thing that I had closed that actually I had a memory of prior to moving here was the great movie ride. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I had I have a memory of the great movie ride from when we came here in 98. And then obviously, since I've lived here, went on it several hundred times. So it when we closed that, like I didn't even I made it to about the end of the cowboy scene. That's when I started crying. I was just like a mess when we closed that. And that was the first thing that, you know, I had done the go to the last day, try to be the last people on there <laughs> thing. That was the first one that actually kind of meant something to me. And that one I, I still miss. We were just at Hollywood Studios yesterday, and I was like, I want to ride the great movie ride. Oh. <laughs> sad panda. It's sad. <laughs> Did you, do you prefer, because I, I, I heard you guys talking about it on your podcast too, between the, um, 
the gangster scene and the cowboy scene? Did you have a favorite between those two? I kind of liked them both for different reasons. Like, I think I have like, I have more fun memories of the gangster scene because I've had a couple of really bad gangsters and it was just hilarious. We probably are thinking of the same people, by the like, way. Like, <laughs> I had one, I swear to God, like, she was, I mean, she did fine, but she had, like, a Jamaican accent oh, yeah. trying to do the gangster accent on top of that, and it was just hilarious. Jamaican gangster. <laughs> yeah. Are we going to go, like, one at a time? or We can do that, yeah. Go? I mean, Okay, so you pick one now. Um, I know, obviously, one of the attractions that I re- that I do miss. I'm basically going to go from, like, from my, I guess I want to say, like, least missed to, like, the most really missed. most missed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Universe of Energy. Universe of Energy, like, it has, I had really, some really fond memories of both Ellen's Energy Adventure and the original Universe of Energy. Um, it was... I believe the first ride I could remember at Epcot because the ending part had the mirrored walls. And as you were coming back around, the curtains would rise up and the projection on where I guess the Jeopardy part as you were coming back into the theater would be. And you had that really, really fun uh, feel the flow song coming into it. And the animation was great, but I just remember coming in with my eyes just really wide agape and it was just incredible but to see that attraction close for the last time knowing that i would never see it again was uh, a bit of a a bit of a kick in the pants yeah and uh i like how both of you mentioned the attractions that you put in the episode that i most recently listened to <laughs> and for my listeners who have not heard that episode go to central florida sites and sounds and listen to season four episode 18 did i get that right I'm pretty sure I got that right. I just double check. Sure. Yeah, because <laughs> I totally have that memorized. Of yeah, which one. you should. I, I don't have mine memorized, and I have far fewer than you guys do. Yeah, season four, episode eighteen. So long to the classics. There um, we go. Yeah. So those are great. I don't remember John Universe of Energy, but I will uh, take that baton and I'll talk about Ellen's Energy Adventure, which is the evolution of of that attraction. Um, it's either like funny. It's funny. Attractions are either evolved or extinct. They're, yes. <laughs> it's one or the other. Or they stayed the same for years. Like, it's a small world. Um, but I, I don't remember Universe of Energy, even though I technically, I know I did ride it when I was younger. But my earliest memories of riding that were Ellen's Energy Adventure. My fondest memories were from the college program riding Ellen's Energy Adventure. Because it was one of those attractions that I think, especially in its later years, was not, I see that was like 11 years ago, so it was even in the later years, but it did not get um, the attention it deserved. and it, a, it there, a lot of ridership. Yeah, it didn't get a lot of ridership. But it's, you know, the amazing thing about it is, sure, it's 45 minutes long, but think about how large of a capacity that attraction has. Oh, God, yeah. Um, I think it was also the fact that it was 45 minutes out of the Florida heat that you got to rest. And I know uh, right. one of my friends did go on it and he took a nice nap in there. <laughs> I've taken naps in there. <laughs> I've closed my eyes. I could memorize. I could I could recite it in my sleep. So I think, you know, people like us deserve the chance <laughs> to take a little nap now and then if that's the place you choose to nap. Um, old folks. <laughs> <laughs> we're not old. Come on. We're, talk- we're on a Disney podcast. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Never old if it's that. Um, yeah, so I, and I, 
I love the Bill Nye and um, Ellen and just the um, the banter back and Alex forth. Alex Trebek and... Uh, Alex Trebek, yeah. Stupid Judy. Stupid <laughs> Judy. <laughs> What's, what, what I... It's, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> Bless yeah, they had a great they had a great casting on that. Um, oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, and I actually I never liked speaking of when we were scared when we were a kid. I never liked the Big Bang because it was incredibly loud. Oh God, that thing was loud. Oh, I would always like cover my ears at that part. Probably until I was fifteen. Like I just I never liked how loud that part was. Um, but then as an adult, it was uh, it was cool. So yeah, that was uh, I'll, I'll take that was actually one of the things I had on my list. I also had the great movie ride, by the way. Um, and I actually liked the cowboy scene because it was so rare to get that. It was really only, especially, again, during the college program, only when it was during the peak times, they were running great movie ride at, at full capacity, and you had, uh, you know, sitting in the first two cars that you would get the cowboy scene, so you had to just get lucky. Um, get I think that. the last couple times we rode it, we got the cowboys, because it was, I mean, the last couple of weeks were just ridiculous there. Like, it was constant. People were there, and um, so they were running it pretty much all the time, and everybody was requesting it. Like, I, like there was like, you have the cowboy scene running today? Have the cowboy scene running today? <laughs> <laughs> cowboy scene, personally, was my favorite. One, because of the fire effects in there, because it was yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. Um, But... I remember the first time I realized that there was like a second scene and I used to on a if I was ever there visiting, um, I'd ask, hey, can I have the the cowboy scene? And they'd always put me in the in the front because if not, I was always getting the gangster scene and it was getting so tiring. I'm like, I want to have something different, please. It's funny because when I first moved here, all I ever got was the cowboy scene. I didn't even know there was a gangster scene until like way later. Oh, yeah. interesting. It was like the complete opposite. Oh, wow. It happens. Um, cool. So we have Great Movie Ride, Universe of Energy, Ellen's Energy Adventure. Uh, what else do you guys have on your list? So my next one is the, the very first attraction that I ever closed, which was Maelstrom, mm. which I know was an absolute ridiculous ride, but I loved it because of its ridiculousness. <laughs> And I just have so many fun memories of just being ridiculous on it. And I really miss it, not so much because of what it was, but I miss it more because of what replaced it. <laughs> you know, and I think that's what a lot of people had issue with. It wasn't so much that Maelstrom was leaving. It was that Frozen was replacing it. And that's that's kind of where the whole missing it comes from, because I used to love just going to Epcot and just being able to walk on that because it was always a walk on like unless it was in the Christmas months. or Easter where there was a million people in the park. You could always get on it really quickly if you wanted to escape the rain or escape the sun. And, you know, now you can't because it's frozen and there's always a 70 minute wait for it. You know, Maelstrom got to wait, though. I have to say, like, yeah, it, did it, get it, it would get 40 minute waits. It would be the point where like, even I would be saying, you know, it's not worth it right now. I got to wait till it gets down to like yeah, 20 minutes. Same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's definitely people who I, I think I've gotten over the hate of, uh, I never really hated the frozen ride, but, um, I, I was, when I was very skeptical when they first announced it. I understood the business decision behind it, but there was some worry that it was not going to be, 
And it, it isn't, you know, Epcot was originally educational and it Frozen is not necessarily educational. <laughs> it just happens to coincide with Norwegian culture. Um, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. You know, and that, I mean, that's like a long stretch. We've we, we've been on the Frozen ride once, literally when we did the podcast, and that's the only time we've ever been on it. I I've think. had no desire to ever do it again. I mean, it's well done and it's cute, but I'm like, it doesn't I'm not belong there. Waiting that long to ride that. Ride. I feel like it's, that's a ride that belongs either in like Fantasyland or at Hollywood Studios. That would be a perfect ride from there, but to interject. Frozen, which happens in Arendelle, in a fictitious part of Norway that... It's not even Norway. I mean, it's sort of Scandinavian culture. Scan- but-, but yeah, but <laughs> but to try and jam it into a, a country and then to, like, appropriate that, it it just doesn't work. Well, let me ask you two, then. What do you think about Grand Fiesta Tour? I feel the Grand Fiesta Tour is slightly different than the Frozen Ride because while Donald and the Three Cabaneros are in it, it's still showcasing real Mexico. Because obviously Panchito represents Mexico, Jose represents Brazil, and I feel like they did a better (laughs) job integrating the Mexican culture on that ride than what they did to Maelstrom. They completely changed That's fair. everything. Yeah. And now it's just kind of showcasing some aspects from the movie. And I never went on Rio del Tiempo, but I feel like a lot of it, I mean, it seems like a lot of it hasn't changed really. Because it still has the whole, like, it still has to go through that whole scene with, like, yeah. the little kids with yeah. the small world aspect. Like that was the same, yes. right? Yeah. So it was, it was just like they kind of overlaid Donald into it without changing it too too much. Uh, John, what's next on your list? Um, actually sticking in with Epcot, uh, this probably won't be on any of your lists. Uh, for me, it was the Wonders of Life Pavilion. Okay. Uh, sandwiched between Universe of Energy and Mission Space. Um, now called the Festival Center. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was an aspect of the edutainment of Epcot that you really don't see anymore. You don't see a movie about how babies, you know, where do babies come from or, um, you know, how a the more of like a comedic way of how the inside of a 12 year old works. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's like from the really kind of golden age of Imagineering from because it's that type of humor. I mean, Cranium Command, the people that created Inside Out um, took inspiration from that attraction to kind of expand on that. Yeah. Um, but it, I loved some of the humor of Cranium Command, especially ones that still had images of uh, Ernest. I don't know if any of them. I remember. It was like Ernest Saves Christmas or... Jim Jim Varney Varney yeah yeah but Cranium Command could have only happened in the the late 80s early 90s because you had a lot of people that had uh, that were part of like Saturday Night Live like you had Bobcat Goldwith or um Kevin Nealon and uh oh like you had like the Hans and Franz basically doing as like the heart 
Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, thank you. Um, but then, of course, you had Body Wars, which was a, a, a precursor. Yeah, it was a precursor to Star Tours because technically it opened up at Disneyland 87. We didn't get until 1990s, and this was like 80, 89. So we got it before that, but it was just a, a, a fascinating different type of ride that, you know, instead of traveling in outer space, you were traveling inside a human body. And I just, I have really fond memories of it, and I'm so glad I have video of that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where you actually did learn something It is you know, about how to take care of yourself. Future world was incredibly educational and it still is, uh, in many, uh, in some places, but it's, uh, yeah, so that you was learn how Peter Quill visited Epcot center in 1982. I'm looking forward to that attraction. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Don't uh, it, they? They can try to squeeze whatever whatever story they want to fit into Future World. Obviously, Epcot's going to be evolving. Uh, that's the next park that's going to get a major facelift. So I'm sure they'll figure how to tie that in. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, the timing is appropriate that he could have visited Epcot when he was a kid. Uh, so I, I'm excited about that. I'm a little nervous about the spinning aspect of it. I don't really do spinning, but uh, I know it's controlled spinning from what I hear. So maybe I can. Tolerate I wonder that. if it's gonna kind of be like Gringotts. Maybe, I think maybe. it's. I, I want to see. I want to see video of Matt doing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, I do think uh, it's kind of cool how they're. I they had released or leaked some photos of the vehicles that are not officially confirmed, but likely confirmed that they're going to be separated from the track which really does by quite a number of feet, which implies that they're going to find a way so that you don't see the track as you're riding. And it'll really feel like you're immersed. So I'm sure they're going to do a great job uh, with that. They're I'm gonna... excited for the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is part of one of my favorite parts of the Marvel Universe. And I just think they're hilarious. And I think it's, I mean, I know a lot of people were speaking of extinct attractions Hollywood Tower of Terror out in California mm-hmm. being the Guardians ride. So many people were skeptical of that, but everyone I know who has done it has said it's fantastic. Yeah. We haven't done it yet, so I can't say for sure, but everyone seems to like it. Disney's making big changes, and it's uh, in a lot of cases, even when people are skeptical, it's turned out, it's turned out all right, um, if not great. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go to one that's on my list that I have as – Missed in terms of I didn't ride it, and as an adult, <clears throat> I wish I would have had the chance to ride it. I don't think it fits. I don't think it should come back. So it's not like uh, I, I think it it really fit in Mag- in Magic Kingdom. I'm going to give away the park, but one attraction I did not get to ride that is now extinct is Alien Encounter, and I was terrified of even looking at that building because I knew what it was about. I was definitely a scared kid. Even to this day, I don't like horror movies. Um, don't but, feel bad because I remember back in 96, I had the chance to do it and I chickened out too. So do not feel bad. So am I the only one that's done it? No, Maybe. I didn't. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but I didn't do it until 2001. Okay. So don't feel bad, Matt. The marquee sign was very, very intimidating. Yeah. It's just the whole the whole thing. And then even, yeah, I just, I never did it. And then by the time, you know, the, the time I would have done it would have been the college program. But by then it was already changed over to Stitch's Great Escape. Um, so I did not get the chance to ride it and said it was Stitch. 
But yeah, I mean, that obviously was an attraction that was a bold move to try to bring in some more of a, a teenage male audience to the Magic Kingdom and ended up just terrifying young children and wasn't exactly a family-friendly ride um, or, or attraction. But it would have been cool to experience it uh, just once as an adult, knowing it's fake <laughs> and uh, knowing what was going to happen. Um, but uh, And I love... Uh, um, George Lucas's involvement in creating it. And it's, it's actually, it was really well done. It's just the, the business strategy of it, I don't think, was uh, turned out the way that they had intended it to, that they would hope it would expand upon their, their market and really it just ended up, um, again, terrifying young kids. So. Yeah, that one, that one was on my list too. I did, I did it the one time. I didn't particularly like it, but again, kind of the same situation, like, it was something that wasn't character based and it was something that was different. It was something that was original. So it was, it's kind of one of those things like you kind of miss just that kind of general attraction that Disney has kind of gone away from. Cause everything they do now seems to be so character or intellectual property based. It's not that or those original ideas anymore. And it was terrifying. It was like the part that always got me, the part that got me the one time we did it was, when the alien escaped the tube or whatever, when it was like breathing on your neck, that scared the ever loving crap out of me. I was so, so scared. And I was 17 years old, (laughs) 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 but I'm the same way. I don't like scary movies either, like at all. And he, he tries to make me watch like trailers for scary movies. And I'm like, I don't like them. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. If it's too terrifying, I just can't do it. Um, and, and meanwhile, it's funny because, um, you know, Joanna loves scary movies and it's almost the opposite. Like she'll want to get oh, me to watch scary movies and I'm like, no, thanks. <laughs> so the next time you guys come down here, they can go watch a scary movie and we'll go watch something nice and fluffy. <laughs> I like that plan. That's fine. I can. <laughs> um, I have to ask about Alien Encounter. So did um, there are things about that ride that I definitely uh, I think are, one of the things I think is really cool is the. Um, and the second pre-show, the teleportation trick with uh, with Skippy, that I like. That's one of those those really cool special effects. But one thing I've I've seen in videos, and I guess the video quality obviously back then wasn't as good, so it it doesn't come really come out as well. But how big or terrifying was that alien animatronic in real life? Because it's hard to really picture it um, without having done it. Are you talking? You're talking about the the one in the tube? Yeah, the main like the main creature that's coming to kill you. Um, as far as I know, um, it was probably the full length of that tube. Um, cause I know it, it was a bit of a static figure cause after the glass broke and I'm doing the air quotes because <laughs> obviously they used uh trickery with some water. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it would kind of like, it would turn inside the mm-hmm. tube, but it was like on a, like a screw a, or like a pole. Yeah. But it didn't really move. But with the, the, the strobe lights, yeah. with the fog, everything like that, you it tricked your brain thinking yeah. that it was. Because, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, like the one, the stitch one obviously is like, yes. you know, a f- two feet tall or something like that. I, I remember. Yeah. It's... I, 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 from what I remember about it, I do remember it kind of being the length of the tube or about the length of the tube, you know. So fairly large, 
but yeah, I feel like there was a lot of strobe lights in in lieu of movement, kind of like the Yeti. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's pretty accurate. Cool. Um, all right. Awesome. Anne-Marie, what else do you have on your list? So one of my other ones is from my original trip. This is actually an extinct attraction is 20,000 leagues under the sea. Ah, yeah. That was one of the ones I remember going on when I came here when I was seven. And I remember like walking down and going into the submarine, actually thinking we were going underwater cause I was seven. And, uh, <laughs> and then I remember the giant tentacles, the giant squid, squid tentacles, like, encapsulating the the thing and being so scared of it, but loving it every second of it. I remember that one. And I was so sad when I came back here and it was gone. Cause I think by the time I came back in 98, it was already closed. It had been closed for yeah. like four years. Yeah. And I was so sad that and my, I remember my dad being upset that it was closed too. Yeah. Th- this ride was uh, number three on my list. Um, I do remember doing it when, again, uh, we think we did a, two trips in 91 and so but i do remember like when you were loading in and you were kind of going around the lagoon it would play this like this organ music Mm -hmm. and like there was a lot of maritime terms that i didn't understand but you know like going down 20,000 fathoms and whatever and but i remember my dad also does have video of this but it it was kind of terrifying, but my you you could see like it, during the videos, like my face is like planted right into the porthole because I was like so fascinated with what was going on. So when I went out to Disneyland after the Finding Nemo submarine voyage had opened, mm-hmm. mind you, this was the first time I was in a Disney submarine since 1991. It was like me being a kid again, and it was it brought back all those wonderful memories again. Yeah, and then when we went back in, to Disneyland in 2015, going on that kind of brought back those 20,000 Leagues memories, and that was really, really awesome. The fact that Disneyland still has something sort of like it. I and wish- then it was kind of great to uh, be on the cruise line and go to Castaway Key and actually snorkel to one of those sub. Oh, that is cool. I, I wish I had memories of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I know I went on it when I was younger, but I just don't. It's one of those things I don't remember. Um, I did go on Finding Nemo's submarine voyage out in Disneyland, so that was my way of sort of trying to connect with that early childhood and remember. Um, but it's it's funny how that's one of those rides that I don't really remember very well. Uh, so, but that's a great answer. John, what else do you have Sex on your list? Well, going to the Magic Kingdom, this was a attraction that lasted from 94 until 2006. It was the Timekeeper where the Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor is now, but it was a very fun Circle Vision 360 film starring Ray Perlman and Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And it was just a heck of a lot of fun. And it was the only one that kind of really had a story and a narrative around the whole thing, like with Nine Eye and just using that. And it was just all like Robin Williams humor was hilarious. That was one of the things I'd never experienced. So I have no idea. The only thing I, the only time I ever saw it was the video that you have of it. Yeah. I remember this attraction. Um, I, my earliest memories of a 360 circle vision attraction was timekeeper. Um, 
I, I most of my memories now are from watching it on YouTube, but I do have these vague memories of parts of the queue, walking through that, he, seeing the pre-show with Nine Eye getting her her training, um, which was hilarious, and then I do remember the theater. I remember the animatronic for Timekeeper. It was a very very cool attraction. It's one that they brought over from, which is amazing. It brought over for Disneyland Paris. Um, and uh, I almost, I wish it were still there so we could, we can go and check it out. But oh. it's, uh, yeah, it was a really unique circle vision attraction. And you know, unlike the ones that exist now in, in Epcot that are really more about touring something that already exists, Timekeeper was very imaginative and is taking us to a 360 360-degree experience through something that uh, either was in the past <laughs> or is in the future. And so that was very creative in how they were able to execute that. Um, and, you, and I agree with you, John, that Rob Williams is awesome in that and Rhea Perlman. Mm. And God bless that manager who let me videotape it because there used to be a strict no videotaping policy on that. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I have a feeling this ride's going to go. Please, can I just record? She's like, go for it. I was just like, thank you. <laughs> So that my one recording, and I think this was like right after I got my new video camera, I, I videotaped it. I was, I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, what, what am I going to jump to? Oh, my wife is walking in. Hello. Hello. Do you want to be an extinct attractions podcast? You need to have your wife on this show a lot she more. Is. I know. Have you, have you listened to the episodes? And it's no? hard to have time when you're a thing for <laughs> I have them queued up. I really do. I believe you. Wait, I will show you. It's, it is on my phone. Yeah. All right. I, I got you. I got you. Um, so I got to jump around on this one. Um, the next one on my list, I'll stick, it, I'll stick to Magic Kingdom. This is not an extinct attraction, but it is a uh, changed attraction. Okay. Is the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. Um, I love the late 90s, early 2000s version of that attraction. Uh, it's, it's very... Uh, the current narration is definitely suited for kids. Um, but I, growing up, I loved the uh, very monotone, robotic, um, like, now approaching Space Mountain presented by federal express <laughs> like, oh god that's the the yeah i i loved that uh that's the only thing that's changed about it center and and i mean that's changed and also of course the attractions around tomorrowland have changed but uh oh, hey. oh yeah yeah so but um this, this is a quick one on my list but i really do miss the um the old tta narrator uh voice actor i thought it was uh it's very nostalgic for me um I just loved how like it was robotic. It was it was fitting with the like whimsical, uh, very fictional, futuristic uh, city of tomorrow. And it's funny. I th I think like Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom has had the most changes out yeah. of all the lands. Oh, for altogether. sure. Over the years, absolutely. Well, it has to. Oh yeah, uh, but '94 made it less. Like it made it kind of like tomorrow proof where because before tomorrow would kind of catch up and then it would kind of feel like yesteryear or yesterland 
and now it's kind of a H.G. Wells type deal. That's why Disneyland Paris doesn't have a Tomorrowland. They have a Discoveryland. Well, I mean, our Tomorrowland still feels about the 80s version of what the future would look like. Or you mean the 90s? I don't know. Those costumes are pretty 80s. The color scheme is it, very 80s. It's 94. I, I understand that. I'm just saying. It, oh, oh look, it looks. It looks very 80s. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I'll turn it back over to Anne-Marie. What do you, uh, what's next on your list? Mr. Toad. So sad. Thankfully, I remember I remember going on it in 88, but I didn't remember a lot of the details until we went on the one in California. And I don't know if it's exactly the same, but like I kind of brought back the memories when we went to the one in California. But I mean, it's just like I understand why they did it. It was kind of the same reasoning behind Maelstrom. You know, it's like put something in there that children and families can relate to because Mr. Toad wasn't really a character that was not a lot of kids. Have not as well. No, exactly. And <laughs> Winnie the Pooh obviously is. So like, I, and I do, I do love the many, many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It is a fun ride, but it's just like, it's one of those like classic ones that was, the, I think it was park opening. Wasn't it? What? Mr. Toad. Yeah. It was park opening. And it's always sad when a opening day attraction closes. That it is. Yeah, I think I remember like the most I remember is the, obviously the dual track the the two tracks kind of brought you to different scenes, but they all ended up uh, you getting run out, hit, hit by a train and going to <laughs> hell. So I remember um, again, another uh, attraction I remember during my youth. And again, as the train's coming overhead, I am literally terrified and <laughs> then I'm going to get be be kind of run over by this train and i'm holding on to my dad <laughs> like it's terrifying as life. an adult too what's that <laughs> it's terrifying as an adult too if you ride it at disneyland it's you can convince yourself that that's about to happen oh yeah oh yeah so but yeah that that was a good attraction yeah um that's actually it's funny that's one that's on my list john what was the next one in yours so this this is probably the only attraction on my list that. I never got to do only because it existed before I was even born. And it is the, um, the swan bolts, the swan boats that used to adorn the moat around, uh, the inner parts of the magic kingdom. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so obviously this existed between 73 and 83. I was alive. I wasn't there, but I was alive. Thank, thank, <laughs> thanks. I wasn't Which, either, John. So if you had seen or if you have been to Magic Kingdom before the hub refurb, you used to see these docks. There was one dock in the Rose Garden area between um, where Fantasyland and Tomorrowland are, right where the Cosmic Rays is. And then there was another dock where the just outside the Plaza restaurant was. And those were um, some docks that guests would board and disembark from onto the swan boats. And I feel like it was just a, a great scenic tour around kind of like the inner moat and to get up really close up to Cinderella's castle from below. I feel like it was something that I really kind of missed out on. It's funny. One of the things that's on my list is the discovery river boats, which, uh, Ooh, I, Animal I Kingdom. those too. Yeah. I never got to do those, uh, but they, a similar, similar deal. 
but it's kind of cool that they existed. And now you can do that at Shanghai if you are so lucky to go out to that park. But they have four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you have to be wealthy is the right answer in order to go to that park. Um, we have a lot of Shanghai merchandise right now. Yeah, we do. You're lucky. Well, Where is it? It's more than I have. There. Oh, my God. We're going to die. We're going to die. I have nothing from Shanghai. <laughs> I like it. That's cool. Shanghai Mickey. Grand opening. How did you get that? Cast connection. They were selling me a cast connection. So basically, this was 189 yen. Chinese yen. And uh, we got it for 10, 10 bucks. <laughs> 189 Chinese yen. Got it for 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, and then we got some of the smaller... We got some smaller things as well, but... Yeah, they were selling a multitude of that yeah, cast connection. Nice. Um, I don't know how many we've done at this point, but I'm going to challenge you guys now. Hit at least five. Okay, we're going we're gonna to cut it a little bit. I'm going to challenge you for your top two. Ooh, top okay. two. Okay. And then we can do Go honorable ahead. mentions. Amber, what's your I number? I know, this is running long. So I think, I don't know if you want to consider it an attraction or I don't know what it would be considered. I really missed, really like missed out on Pleasure Island. I did too. Because when I was, I think John's the only one who's ever actually (laughs) been to Pleasure Island. Like when I was, when I came here in 98, I was 17. So I couldn't get in there at all. And then we came back. The next year, no, I came back the next year for like with a friend for fall break. We were going to go. We didn't have enough money for the cover charge (laughs) because like we were down here by ourselves. We were sophomores in college. We didn't have any money and we had enough money basically to go to Magic Kingdom. And and that was it. (laughs) So we like I completely missed out on going to Pleasure Island because by the time I moved back, moved down here in 2012, it had already, I mean, it was sort of still there. You could walk through it, but yeah. there wasn't really anything there anymore. Uh, I like that answer, though. I actually, the only thing I, I wish I would have done, I didn't do it fully. I did do the uh, first part of it, but I didn't go through the rest of it, was the Adventurers Club. That, yeah, the only thing I've ever done with the Adventurers Club is the stuff that we do now for the Adventures in Charity, and that's the only time I've ever seen it. And it's not the same, obviously, but that's the only taste of it I've ever gotten that's not in video. <laughs> I did walk inside, and then there's the like the first scene. I, um, I did see that. Um, so I have like been at Adventurers Club and said Kungaloosh, but uh, I didn't get beyond that first room. We think we left, and we, we didn't have a lot of time, so we did end up leaving. But that's one of the things I wish I would have done. John's beaming, so obviously you've done this. I've had the wonderful opportunity of doing this many, many times. <laughs> I think a friend of mine uh, turned me on to the Adventures Club, and then any chance I got, I literally got a Pleasure Island annual pass when there was such a thing. Um and I would spend my time at either the Comedy Warehouse or the Adventurers Club. And I think I remember when it was announced that it was closed, I made sure to get audio of every single club that was still there. And one of my my two favorite clubs outside of, of the Adventurers Club was either Mannequins 
and eight tracks. I, those were my two favorite clubs, but I remember waiting outside of the adventurers club on the day that it closed getting in. And I literally spent the rest of my evening there. And then I lingered as long as I could trying to soak as much of that energy. And it's been the only time driving back to my hotel that I was like crying because I knew I was never going to experience anything like that again. Maybe someday. There's a lot of. And then I met my friend Ian Janasco, <laughs> and then it's it seems like it's just been on perpetual motion there. <laughs> but I'm just going to do a fast rundown of the rest of my list. Yeah. So some of your listeners will will also kind of feel that same thing. Um, the 1994 version of Spaceship Earth with Jeremy Irons. I have that on mine too. The original Living Seas with the hydrolators and mm. no Nemo stuff, and also with the sea cabs. Um, Magic Journeys, both at Magic Kingdom and Epcot Center. Uh, and also one of my personal favorites is the Skyway that used to uh, take you from Tomorrowland to Fantasyland. Classic. Skyway back. Yeah, I was saying get the gondolas now. In air-conditioned capsules. There, it's even better. (laughs) No, before they were air conditions. They were naturally air conditions. (laughs) Yeah, called open air. (laughs) (laughs) And then you had man-made precipitation if you were down below. That's right. (laughs) Um... John, what's your like second second on your list then? Second to last. That, that, that was – it was Skyway was number oh. two for me. Okay, cool. Um, well, I guess let me uh. – Which – um, not to say uh, – you can actually still kind of get that feeling. If you go to Bush Gardens over in Tampa, they literally have the exact same type of layout, buckets, everything. Cool. And it's been running there since 74 and like it has a, the same ninety degree turn. I have yet to go to that uh, park. I need to get over yeah. there. One of these days. Um, I had. I'll, I'll do my honorable mentions. I did have Spaceship Earth with Jeremy Irons. I did have the Living Seas. Um, I had a Disneyland one in here, which was Rocket Rods. Really? Um, yeah, I did get to ride. That, I, I got to ride that twice. It wow! Was, it, it was great. It was really great. Test track and TTA mixed together. Um, wow. Uh, I'm almost stealing either one of yours. I have the Backlot Tour, <clears throat> and I have Spectrum Magic, because my earliest memories are actually a Spectrum Magic for nighttime parades. And then um, I have a lot of nostalgia for Main Street Electrical Parade, because that was on my college program that it was around. Um, but my true second to last is Journey into Imagination. Ooh, Yeah. The old 1983 version. Yeah, the original. I really loved that attraction as a kid. I remember, um, and even when, like, when I walk around the Imagination Pavilion now, I'd still get like bits and pieces of early childhood memories coming back. But I do remember the original room that you would walk into with the load area. It was this big open room. Um, the beautiful mural on the wall. That's right, the beautiful mural. And then you would see... Um, I'm trying to think for those of us, for those who haven't seen it, what that load area looked like. It was it, similar so, to living at the lands, like not in terms of really, how we go into this was, dark tunnel. So basically the way, um, it started off or the loading area was, um, was it was a big round room. It had an opening for where the, the vehicles would disembark and down the center was the stairs that you could go up to the image works. That's right. And um, 
So if you actually go into the exit now and you find the stairs up to the DVC lounge, you can kind of get a sense. The the walls, some part of the walls still have that curvature and the where you're exiting from where the the bottom image works are into where the gift shop is is the entrance of where the original vehicles left. So that was on my list of things I never got to experience or don't remember experiencing because I, we went to Epcot in 88, but I don't remember much about it. Yeah. I remember spaceship earth and I remember the fountains in front of imagination, the spitting ones. Yeah. Yeah. That's really all I remember about Epcot. So I probably went on Horizons. We probably went on World of Motion. We probably went on all these rides, but I don't remember it. Um, But fun story, (laughs) Um, being as I am a Disney cast member and I do work for Disney Vacation Club, I've actually been upstairs in the DVC member lounge, and I've been backstage at the DVC member lounge, and a lot of that image work stuff is still there. Wow. And it's just like kind of like, you know, the abandoned videos you – yeah. You, yes. you watch, that's exactly what it looks like. Like, it's this very late 80s, early 90s, like, boxy stuff with oh, yeah. all the stuff still on the walls and everything like that. So all of that stuff is still technically there. It's just you can only get to it if you work for Disney Vacation Club. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know the Rainbow Tunnel is completely gone. <laughs> that's gone, that's but it. that whole room. The, but the pathway but, still but there. But, the, like, the un, basically unload room yeah. is what is still there with all of that signage and everything. And I wish I could take a picture of it for you, but I can't. That's backstage. I, I just remember the – I don't know, Matt, if you remember uh, the stepping tones. When you, they had, like, the lighted hexagons that yep. you would uh, – it's it's stuff like that. Like I loved a lot of the the eighties and early nineties tech. It, it's it's because I think that was like the, our introduction into like technology. And because we were we were I believe we we're the last generation that didn't like automatically grow up with iPads and iPhones and stuff. We were the last one that you know kind of played outside with their friends or whatever. And so kind of Disney was that introduction to that. Yeah. And I, um, for me, Journey to Imagination, the thing that I miss the most and that is most memorable for me and that I loved, it was overall an amazing ride um, in its original form. But I, I miss the Dreamfinder sequence in the beginning where the vehicles tilted to the side, um, 90 degrees, um, and facing is almost Carousel of Progress-ish. Um, it would move with the theater around this very large circle that would take like a, a few minutes to get around and it would be that if you've ever listened to the song, um, the, it's the beginning of the song and then, you know, all the way through, uh, when Dream Finder and Figment sing Imagination. And then from there you would go into, um, the, uh, the dream court, um, and on, and on your way and see all the things that, uh, Dream Finder had been dreaming and all the things that you're dreaming. And it's just, it was, uh, a, you know, a, truly a ride dedicated to the imagination. So I missed that part of it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was agreeing with you. Yep. Um, what is, I guess we're down to the number one. So what's the top attraction for either of you, top extinct attraction that you miss or missed? Well, you basically hit it before was Pleasure Island was my number one. Really? 
Yeah, Close Your Eyes was my number one. Because, again, I've been – I've done a lot of attraction closings. Pleasure Island was the one that, that hit me the hardest because it was a place where um, I got to make friends and make memories and laugh my – you know, and laugh so much that I would cry. And, you know, it's – you know, it's just a disappointment that, it's, that nothing's – you know, so I'm st- year, right? yeah, 10 years. I mean, something's there now, but it's not what it used to be. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Amory, so what's your. So most the number missed? one, I think, is the is is Horizons, because yeah. I either when we went on it, I don't remember it or we never did it. And everybody talks about how awesome this ride was. And I'm really sad that I never either never really experienced it or never or don't remember it, you know, like it's just so sad that to me that everybody loves this ride so much. And to me, it's like just something I've seen on YouTube or, or on Matt's shirt or on Matt's shirt. Well, you took my number one as well. Uh, I did, I did. <laughs> it is on my shirt right now. I did experience it. I had bits and pieces of memories from it. Uh, it was, I really did love that attraction. Um, even just the queue, it was uh, like, and again, it's like it bits and pieces of what I remember from the queue. So I, I can't be incredibly descriptive, but if you look it up on YouTube, um, it was a great uh, queue by itself. And you kind of like descended into um, this lower level. And then you boarded the, it's an Omni mover, but it's you literally, it's like the, the seas. You sit sideways and it moves sideways. And there were rooms with giant, giant screens. And especially when I was younger, they seemed like, 10 times the size of Soren's screen. Um, and you would be going through space and under the water and the, and the, uh, desert. the desert. And then I loved the end when you literally got to choose which adventure you would get. And it seems so like archaic now, but at the time <laughs> that was innovative. You got to choose your own From ending. 1983, that was innovative. Yeah. And it was literally like, it was majority rule. So whoever, whatever the majority vote was, there's four seats. Um, so you're going to have somebody win, um, you know, even if everybody votes something different, one person's got to tilt the vote. And it was, uh, I think I, I did try to get, I remember when I was younger, I tried to get all three. I preferred space, but I did like once try the desert, once try under the sea. Um, but space was definitely my favorite. I love this attraction. And I mean, I close every podcast episode with, if you can dream it, you can do it, which is the, the whole mantra of that attraction. I heard Walt Disney said that. Oh, God. <laughs> He did not. <laughs> he did not. He believed it. He never said it. Yep. <laughs> he did not. Uh, um, this this is also one of my personal favorites. Uh, the music scoring of this attraction is fantastic it because is. it starts off being how the future looked from generations past, and then it kind of brings you into that Nova Sight scene and that very kind of synth. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a synthesizer sound. Yeah. As you're coming into it, and so very 80s. very eighties. <laughs> and I think my favorite parts were like where the dad's talking to his daughter, and it's like this hologram. And I think the reason why I loved this attraction so much was it gave me so much promise of what the future could hold because Horizons encompassed everything that. Epcot Center taught about health, agriculture, energy, transportation, um, and telecommunications. And it just made 
me wonder, oh my God, you know, maybe, you know, one of these days I'll be living in outer space or underwater. And, uh, you know, I think with that gone, it kind of made that future, I don't know, not, not I, unobtainable. Yeah. But, um, the Imagineers that, that worked on that did a fantastic job. Um, I'm, and what you were talking about with the screens that, Believe it or not, there were two IMAX, Omnimax screens in that uh, entire attraction. I I remember those. Those things were enormously big because there was a space shuttle launch um, that plays in one of them, and it looks enormously huge. (laughs) That it does. Um, So I think. Uh, Again, uh, to your listeners, if you really want to know more about Horizons, look up Martin Smith on, uh, I think, Martin Smith Vids or. Or whatnot, but he has like a complete documentary on that pavilion. Uh, with if you're wondering about like technical specs or just want to experience it, um, he does a great complete uh, overview of that. I think that's probably yeah. So talking about Horizon, I think is probably a, a good note to end on, especially for this podcast. Um, so I that's uh, you know one devoted to if you if you can dream, you can do it in Imagineering. Um, so. I definitely don't want to end this podcast without you guys talking about your podcast because I know I've already plugged it a couple times and there's some great binaural audio of Universe of Energy and, uh, sorry, Ellen's Energy Adventure and of Great Movie Ride from the episode I mentioned, but then like every other episode has amazing binaural audio. So if you guys are craving it, go to it. Um, so where can listeners find you? Um, you can actually go to www.cfsas.com. Literally all the links go, uh, that website has links to everything, our YouTube channel, Twitter, uh, I believe our Facebook, our podcast. If you want to leave a comment, you can do that there as well. Links to our email. Links to our email are there as well. I think maybe on a, like a future episode, we'll have to like play the audio from Matt Cruel's Kilimanjaro Safari. I have. I stole that. Remember, John? I, yep. was, I, I asked for permission to steal it, but I t- it's on episode, I think, uh, 16. I'm losing track of the numbers of my episodes now. But, yeah. It's, is it originally... Uh, you can, you can, I would love to have you put it on your podcast, too. That'd be oh, yeah. <laughs> like, we, we just... Uh... We, could do, we could do our friends, because we could record Ian. We could do his. We could do, like, you know... The stuff. <laughs> It'd be a five-hour-long podcast with everyone. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, we just recently uh, restarted the podcast after a long, a long break hiatus, yeah. from September last year. Um, so we started off with the worst attraction I think we've probably ever had on this show, which is the Fast and Furious Supercharge, which just opened up uh, earlier this month. And... At Universal, uh, <laughs> uh, Universal Studios floor. I did say that. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Okay, it didn't sound like um, But of course, if you had listened to our uh, California shows when we went to Universal Studios Hollywood, you heard it on the tram tour. So this was just like a big glorified version of that. Um, but next week. <laughs> <laughs> On next week's show, to give your viewers a lovely uh, preview, we're going to be having the Beach Boys as when they performed back in February at Universal Studios Florida during Mardi Gras with the one and only John Stamos. Wow. 
Well, the good news for the listeners is that if they're listening to this now, it's already going to be posted because this is going up, uh, I think, in two weeks from uh, when we record this. Beautiful. So that's already going to be there. Um, so that will be another one of our uh... – because I think at least at some point during our seasons, we've had some type of concert, <laughs> either at Epcot or Universal. Yeah, the concert shows are nice. Yes, they are, because I don't have to do much editing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that note, I have a feeling I have to do some editing on this podcast episode. <laughs> have fun, sir. I will. No, there's not going to there's not going to be much. But thank you guys for coming on and talking about extinct attractions. It's it's always a pleasure to come on your show, and uh, we'll certainly enjoy. Uh, well, maybe one of these times when you're down here, you'll be on our show. Yes, that's what I want. That sounds like a plan. But um, yeah, Amory, I always love being on your show. By the way, perfect. Well, I'm going to invite you guys back then, pick you up on that. <laughs> You know one thing that I did um And with that, we close out episode 21 of the Imagineer podcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to give a special thanks, of course, to John and Anne-Marie for coming out to the show. As I mentioned, please do go ahead and uh, check out their podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to them. You can find them at the Central Florida Sights and Sounds podcast, uh, cfsas.com. I'll go ahead and, again, include a link in the show notes for you so you can click on over there and check out uh, everything that they have to offer. And I also want to hear from you what your favorite extinct attractions are, either because you did have the chance to ride it when you were younger and perhaps you just missed that attraction, or perhaps you missed it altogether. You never had the chance to ride it, but you had heard great things about it or seen videos of it and really wish you had the chance to ride those attractions. Whatever they are, please go ahead and let me know. And of course, there are a few ways that you can do that. You can either email me at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com or you can send me a private message on any of our social media channels, which include Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Imagineer Podcast or on Twitter. You can find us at Imagineer Audio. Please go ahead and follow all those channels, uh, like our pages, subscribe to our pages so that you get updates whenever we have new content, which is essentially every day we have something uh, Disney related uh, being posted to our channels. So uh, be sure to uh, check it out and uh, contribute to all the action we have going on there. I would also encourage you to be sure to follow our new Facebook group request to join it, which is the Imagineer Podcast Disney fan community. Gives you the chance to contribute a little bit more directly and communicate with some of the other fans of the podcast and uh, fans of all things Disney. You can find us by either going to Facebook and typing in the search bar Imagineer Podcast Disney fan community or just head to facebook.com slash Imagineer Podcast and click on the community tab on the left-hand side. That'll take you to the group. Go ahead and request access, and I will go ahead and approve your request as soon as I see it come through on my end on Facebook. 
And as always, if you don't subscribe to the podcast, please be sure to do so. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, whether you are listening on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever your preferred podcast channel is. We are on all those channels for you, so go ahead and hit the subscribe button or go ahead and leave us a rating or say and please go ahead and leave us a rating and a comment in the itunes store i do uh thank all of you who have gone out there and left us a rating on the show before and i know that i read a uh, a few reviews on a previous episode i want to read an updated review that comes from jeanette s87 who says bringing the disney magic to you five stars thank you so much jeanette she says this podcast gives me the disney fanatic friend i need in my life with no one else to bounce all my disney banter off of matthew really brings the diz nerd experience to life he has the chops and the passion to wax on the greatest disney topics the binaural recordings especially the safari episode thank you so much are a big plus with three hearts thank you so much jeanette s i definitely appreciate you leaving that rating and if you have not reviewed the show again please do go ahead and uh, review us on itunes or on facebook every rating means the world and please share out the podcast with your friends anyone who loves all things disney even if it's just one particular aspect of disney or star wars or marvel please go ahead and head, go ahead and uh, share this podcast out with them as always i want to thank you so much for listening to the imagineer podcast and remember as always that if you can dream it you can do it <laughs>